What do focus, insomnia, brain injury, stroke, autism, Parkinson's, tinnitus, depression and Alzheimer's have to do with our audio neural pathways? On the Low Tox Life podcast today, we dive in and find out. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 282. And I have Raphael Jowdry, potentially my new favorite person in the world, joining me today to discuss sound therapy and potential need for many, many people out there who don't quite realize it yet for the need for the ear to heal. Uh, I don't even know where to begin to introduce this show such that I was blown away, such that the very next day I did the quiz, I got the sound therapy kit delivered to me, I got started on sound therapy. I believe I have something called cocktail party syndrome, which answered so many questions for me about my level of ability to concentrate in busy workplaces or crowded spaces Uh, or even if the dog next door is barking, um, and I can confidently report that yesterday afternoon I had the most productive four-hour block of work that I've had since I can remember. So I'm excited about today's show. Who is Raphael Jowdry? She holds a Master's of Psychology specializing in sound therapy. She has authored dozens of articles plus three best-selling books, Sound Therapy, Music to Recharge Your Brain, Triumph Over Tinnitus, and Why Aren't I Learning? So um, she was educated in England and Canada, now resides in Australia, and it was actually originally her mum and her mum's work that drove an interest in sound therapy and she has carried on that initial curiosity, need and body of work into something truly magnificent available for people all around the world who experiences challenge, who experience challenges with their ears. She pioneered the first portable sound therapy program after discovering how the program could actually benefit her mother's hearing difficulties. So please listen to this show, even if you don't think you have hearing difficulties. Trust me, it's pretty special. I'm going to jump into that in just a little minute. Uh, but of course, we have some wonderful offers from our partners, Oz Climate, our major sponsor this year. Don't forget you have 10% off all year round from their beautiful range of dehumidifiers and air filters with the code LOWTOXLIFE. That's for Aussies. You can head to ozclimate.com.au or you can grab their contact number from online, give them a buzz, discuss your floor plan and see what unit you might need for your house and the climate you live in. We also have another giveaway this week. I know a lot of people were very excited about the BioFirst giveaway with the Manuka Skin Saver and the Self Heal Salve last uh, last week. Congrats to our two winners of the duo packs. Uh, this week we have the wonderful Block Blue Light giving away a $400 value pack of all of their Block Blue Light goodies uh, a huge range that you can absolutely share with a, a buddy or two, given you have to tag a couple in their Instagram thread to enter. Uh, you could win a nighttime blue blocker glasses, daytime computer glasses, a 100% blackout sleep mask. It's such a good mask, sound blocking earplugs and a no blue light amber blue book light. Uh, my son's got one of those and they're fantastic. He seems to only get through two or three pages and then he's exhausted. And I think it's honestly because there's just that complete shut off of blue light. Melatonin's able to rise and it's time for La La Land. Such a great pack, $400 worth. All you have to do is head to their Instagram, which is blockbluelight underscore official. And um, you have to like their Instagram and then you have to tag two friends in the post and that enters you into the competition. For those of you who haven't tried blue blocking uh, technology before 
And if you have any kind of modern day existence, you definitely need to look into this because if we don't block out blue light, certainly the excess light that we get from computer screens and devices during the day, but also as the sun goes down when our melatonin should be rising, if we are immersed in a lot of blue light once the sun's gone down, it really stuffs around with our circadian rhythm. So at the very least, uh, trying the glasses, the day glasses for computer, they filter out 50% of all blue light during the day. Uh, and then maybe moving on to also having the nighttime glasses or a couple of the other products I'll talk about over the month is definitely worth your while to see if these make a difference to your sleep and your ability to start naturally relaxing as we head into the nighttime. The other fantastic brand giving us an offer. Um, oh no, I didn't even say what the code was for your general offer for <laughs> Block Blue Light. Sorry guys, Block Blue Light uh, have also given us 15% off for the whole month. So if you don't win in the giveaway, or if you just know you're not going to enter the giveaway, you can still make the most of these fantastic products. Lotox15 is your code for 15% off for the whole of May. Enjoy. Now I mentioned the BioFirst official giveaway just earlier. Uh, a little reminder that you have all of May when you buy, and all you have to do is pop it in your cart, uh, the Manuka Skin Saver from their range you will automatically get the self-heal salve in your cart for free worth $30. So you're getting $80 worth of product for only $50. And these are game-changing products for families who are experiencing challenges around eczema, psoriasis. We had a number of people during the giveaway saying, oh, I'm so glad it's good for medical radiation. I've just come through radiotherapy and I really need something like this. It's multi-pronged in its ability to be used. And just last week, I used it on a little bit of a hot histamine face at the end of my lovely perimenopausal cycle. And it was honestly like putting an ice pack on my face. It just completely calmed the farm. Uh, Manuka honey, we know is just a fantastic healing product. They also use milk thistle oil in the Manuka Skin Saver formulation and the self-heal salve and Manu and the thing with milk thistle oil is it is actually even more beneficial to the skin than a straight vitamin C preparation, uh, vitamin E preparation. So, um, there's some really interesting research on this. There's a very robust plant, uh, and traditionally it was used and taken orally. However, topically, there is some really fantastic research emerging showing that it's actually richer into cofferols than vitamin E, very, very restorative uh, and an amazing new secret in skincare. So you could definitely give this a go. The Manuka Skin Saver will cost 50 sure, but you will get to try the Self-Heal Salve, which is a bit of an SOS first aid kit um, skin preparation as well for $30 value, absolutely free. You don't have any codes or anything. You just head to the BioFirst website and buy the Manuka Skin Saver and you go to the checkout and the Self-Heal Salve is going to be in there for you. It's a gorgeous Aussie family brand, beautiful low-tox skincare products uh, with a healing aspect, herbal remedy aspect, Manuka honey goodness, and they actually just got the highest safety rating you can possibly get on the Think Dirty app. So a huge thank you to our sponsors. Uh, and let's now learn about sound therapy. I am so pumped to see what you guys have to say once you've heard this show. Hello, Raphael. How are you? Hello, Alex. I'm terrific. It's really great to meet you. It is great to meet you too. I'm very interested in the work you're doing. Uh, and in the low-tox community, we have such an amazing uh, mix of people, often parents who join the community because they've either had a, a challenge of their own, um, kind of like a health realisation and aha where things weren't working in the current system and so they need to think outside the box or perhaps they've got a neurodivergent child or uh, parents that are starting to get sick and people start to ask questions. And it's incredible how 
um, the suffering or the challenge as a human is often what brings us towards curiosity and change, but it is. And we have to just accept that that's how it is, I think, sometimes, while we all work towards a better system, perhaps, of um, prevention and awareness. Uh, that's going to be a long project. So I think um, I think coming to resources like yours in the meantime is just incredible um, that people have sound therapy and you're talking about in your work a very specific type of sound therapy. So before we unpack that, I want to see, you know, your master's in psychology, you've obviously done a lot of work on the human brain and how we think and what we do. Um, why sound? Share the journey of how you got there. Well, as you mentioned, Alex, often we find solutions in life because we have a problem. Mm. And my work all stems from a problem, but it was a problem my mother had, not me. Right. Um, so when I was growing up, my mother had some problems with the way she was able to process and handle sound. She was extremely sensitive to loud sound, very mm. intolerant. So, you know, if we were out in public and someone um, started up some loud music, they were jukeboxes back then, and, yeah. you know, fired up suddenly this loud music, we'd all have to leave and go outside. She just couldn't stand it. And if a truck went past, she'd always be holding her ears. I now know that's called hyperacusis, but we didn't know other people had it at the time. Mm -hmm. And her other problem was even less understood. Her other problem was she could not follow a conversation in a noisy room. So if anyone else in the room was talking... You know, there were two voices at once. She'd just say, I can't, I can't follow it to stop, you know, have to stop everyone talking. So she couldn't go to parties. Um, she, she couldn't socialise normally because of this. It was quite, quite distressing and quite limiting. Mm -hmm. And, again, we thought that was unique to her. But through a chance meeting that I had in Paris, I came across someone who was working with sound therapy who told me about this method and told me that it would help her. And so my mother explored it. it. was, you know, it was just this chance meeting. I thought, well, I might as well tell her about it. So she went and had the clinical treatment. This was in Montreal. We lived in Canada at the time. She had the treatment for several weeks, uh, three hours a day. She had to drive in and have these headphones on and listen to this particular filtered sound. And it fixed her problems. Wow. It fixed that background noise problem, which is known as the cocktail party syndrome for want of a more technical uh -huh. name because you can't function at a cocktail party with that problem. It fixed her hyperacusis. But not only that, it fixed a whole lot of other problems, which we hadn't expected, chronic exhaustion, chronic insomnia, anxiety, and writer's block. Hmm. So it actually helped her creativity and her whole connection to that, that language capacity. And so that was what started our journey. And through that, we've been able to help many thousands of people around the world because my mother ended up adapting the clinical program for portable use so our program can be used on the go mm. and we've been able to help people and so since then of course I've learned a great deal about the ear and about sound and about how sound impacts us and most exciting how we can heal the body through sound so it's been an incredible journey that all started because my mother had some difficulties with sound mm, incredible and where did you feel a synergy between what you had studied and this like for me it just seems like a, an incredible um unlocking of psychology as a profession as a study and then how debilitating sound or auditory um, challenges can be. Yes, well, uh, the psychology came later. We yeah. came across oh, okay. when I was Got 20. It. Got it. So I studied psychology in order to do my um, thesis on sound therapy. Brilliant. Because that was just a discipline to put it in. Because psychology is one of the one of the modalities actually that that formed the sound therapy, though, to go back. So Sound therapy was invented by an ear, nose and throat doctor, Dr. Mm -hmm. Alfred Tomatis. Makes sense. And he began to explore sound because um, he became interested in the psychology of sound. He was treating aeroplane mechanics after Second World War. And he noticed that when the government announced a pension fund, suddenly the same person's hearing would test much worse. And he thought, well, what's going on? Are they putting this on because they want to get a pension? But he was absolutely convinced that wasn't it. Mm. But he realised there was a psychological element to our hearing. 
And so he wanted to explore that, not just the physical, but the psychological sound of what we hear. And his work is really a unification of, of many fields, actually, of medicine, of psychology, of the therapeutic use of sound, and of sensory stimulation therapies, which is a whole new branch of healthcare. Yeah. So um, he then, Dr. Tomatas then became interested also in learning and in children and in developmental difficulties such as dyslexia and autism. Um, and he would have been very interested in ADD, but we didn't even have that definition back then, but we did yeah. have dyslexia and autism. So he was looking into those. And um, he developed philosophies about the impact of sound on, on people, on the brain, and in particular on the unborn child because we didn't have so much awareness then of, of what goes on in the womb, but Dr. Tomatis was an embryologist and he, he understood the development of the ear and how it develops in utero. And he was the first to point out to us that the fetus, the baby is hearing from four and a half months in utero because the ear has started to form and the brain has started to form pathways for sound. And the impact of sound on the unborn child is quite profound because Tomatas pointed out the sound's not just hearing the mother's heartbeat and her visceral noises, it's actually hearing the mother's voice in utero. Mm. And so that is starting to lay down pathways in the brain for language. You know, wow. we tend to yeah. assume that after the baby's born, it starts learning language. No, Dr. Tomatis was first stimulated to look into this area because he had read some work uh, by a man who looked at uh, songbirds and discovered there had been some research that if songbirds, if you take the eggs of songbirds and you, and you hatch them under silent foster mothers, the birds will not learn to sing after they're born. Wow. So it's hearing the singing in the egg that starts to lay down those pathways to program them to sing. Hmm. And so Tomatas realised, well, it's the same with people. We're hearing sound. And also he was really interested in high-frequency sounds because the voice is rich in high-frequency sounds, whereas the other, the other visceral noise, the heartbeat, et cetera, they're low-frequency. But the voice has a great range of frequencies and a lot of high-frequencies. And when the ear develops... In the embryo, it's the high-frequency section that develops first. So we do hear high frequencies first as the ear is developing. And, and Tomato thought, well, that is designed to tune into the mother's voice to hear these more interesting, intricate, intelligent sounds and start building the brain pathways for language. Wow. I wonder whether <laughs> that's, that attributes to my son's absolute love of East Coast American comedy because I watched so many Seinfeld reruns when I was pregnant. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Absolutely. He's love it. He, he loves all of that stuff. He's obsessed. Yep. So it's yep, quite funny. Totally. <laughs> there you go. It's comfort <laughs> for him like it was for me. It's too funny. How fascinating. I mean, that is unlocks a world of possibility, right? So what's mm. happening in utero could also negatively impact if there is a stressful environment. It can. Yeah. It can, yes. Um, but I'm really conscious about not wanting mothers to feel bad about what happened when the child was in utero. Sometimes oh, gosh, no. Happened, but they no, no. Help. Yeah. yeah. And the great thing about working with sound therapy is that we've been able to repair mm. damage done earlier in life. Exactly. And Dr. Tomatis found this, that even where there's been a rift for some reason, where there's a rift between the mother and child and a good relationship hasn't been formed, we find that that can be healed to some extent through sound therapy listening because it takes the child back to that early experience and it restores the high-frequency hearing capacity and the comfort. And Dr. Tomatis actually named the process of rebirth through sound. Mm -hmm. So we're familiar with the concept of rebirthing in, in various therapies and somatic therapy where trauma might have been stored in the body and it can be released through these therapies. Now, Tomatis showed us that trauma can also be stored in the auditory system. Mm. So if there's been some traumatic event or possibly if the child has been spoken to harshly a great deal or something has gone wrong in the development that they've, they've shut down part of themselves, they may also shut down part of their hearing. Wow. 
Yeah. But that can be restored through the sound therapy process, which re-educates the ear to tune into the high frequencies and brings back those memories of the mother's voice and heals that. There's a remarkable story I came across from one of our listeners who came to see me one day and told me the story of her grandchild who had been developing well and speaking. And then at the age of, I think it was around two, there was an accident where a car drove into their house through a, a large window and the child was traumatised and he stopped speaking. Wow. And he didn't speak for some months. I don't know how long it was, but an extended period, he wasn't speaking at all. And they got the child onto sound therapy and he started speaking again. Mm. And when I met the grandmother, she said, I don't believe he would be speaking today if it weren't for sound therapy. So it somehow healed that trauma and enabled him to reconnect with his language. Incredible. And then just, you know, as you mentioned with soldiers uh, or technicians, post-war, mm -hmm. PTSD, mm -hmm. there's so much yes. potential. Yes, there's PTSD and there's also just noise damage, which so many men suffer. Women do too, but more men because they work in so many noisy environments. I mean, we have heard every story there is about how men have damaged their hearing. There was one man who was... Um, working on a water tank on a rural property and his mates thought they'd play a trick on him and he was inside this water tank and they all banged on the outside of it and it was absolutely deafening and gave him tinnitus ringing in the ears and we have we have men who have tinnitus from all sorts of backgrounds military service trades just most trades are very noisy factory work um, flying airplanes helicopters trucks all of that so much hearing damage Mm. And um, so that's an area that my mother and I did go into and we've been able to help uh, repair a lot of that damage, not completely, but to a degree and, and often stop the tinnitus, which is such a relief for people who are living with that condition with constant ringing in the ears. Absolutely. I had tinnitus when we had um, acute mould poisoning from uh, a water damage. Oh, water really? Damage. Mm, really? Yeah. Now, I've never heard that before. Was one of my well, if, if you think wow. about it in connection to the nervous system, yep. that kind of pathway, um, yes. that, that's how I got it. And, uh, yeah, I had it for mm. about a year and a half and I thought, is this going to be it forever? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, I did sound wave therapy, yes. beta, beta, alpha yes, yes. Different programming with a wonderful um, therapist as a part of the mold healing and, yes. and then a lot of lymphatic drainage mm -hmm. yeah. so detoxification um wonderful and that yeah all of that helped obviously leaving the building and taking that stress off the body totally yeah um but uh yeah tinnitus is awful i can vouch for it myself it just feels yes. like this never-ending trap that you're stuck in oh absolutely to have it inside your own head it's the worst thing mm. and tinnitus can come from many sources you know i am aware of it coming from chemical toxins from sometimes nutritional deficiency from viruses from head injury from just stress and trauma all sorts of things mm. mostly it's noise about 80 percent noise but all of those other factors hadn't heard of mold specifically but we have been able to help people with tinnitus from all of those different causes with the sound therapy so it is a marvelous option for people stuck with that condition wow that's brilliant and yeah. i'm thinking also of people that get hearing aids could mm -hmm. it be that not everybody actually needs one um yes it could be with hearing aids it's important to get a hearing aid at the right time and for the right condition and you know if you have moderate or severe hearing loss, then definitely it's going to help. I mean, an audiologist will know, but there is a big push at the moment for a lot of people to get hearing aids. And, and you know, it's just wrong for an audiologist to describe prescribe one too early mm. because if it's too early, it's just going to annoy you and it's not going to help. Um, and also a problem when people go to audiologists is there are some conditions that don't fit into what audiologists can treat. There are some unusual hearing conditions, such as tinnitus, that's one example, mm -hmm. the cocktail party syndrome, which my mother had, that background noise discrimination yeah. problem, uh, chronic blocked ear and uh, ear-related dizziness and sound sensitivity, hyperacusis, which my mother also had. And those conditions are not really treatable by audiology because hearing aids don't help them. No, 
Audiologists will prescribe a hearing aid for tinnitus, a lot of them will. It's rare for it to help. And sometimes it makes it worse. So it's not the right treatment for tinnitus in most cases. Mm -hmm. But all of those conditions are helped by sound therapy. So it catches those people who fall between the cracks where they can't find any treatment or even any acknowledgement of the condition they have. And this is the treatment for it because it's a rehabilitation for the ear. Yeah. And all of those conditions are showing that there's been some degeneration, some suboptimal functioning of the hearing mechanism and the ear brain relationship. Mm. And all of that needs to be repaired. Now, a hearing aid doesn't repair that relationship. What it does is it amplifies sound and makes the sound come in to you louder. It could make great. it worse it, for some of those people then. Yes, for some of them it would make it worse. Yeah. Yes. For instance, the cocktail party center and the background noise, many people say a hearing aid doesn't help with that. It just amplifies all the background noise. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. help them to distinguish one noise, one sound from another. Mm. What helps us distinguish one sound from another is the ear working well and the ear brain connection working well. Yeah. That has to be repaired. And that's what sound therapy does. It seems miraculous that people can regain that capacity. And yet it so often works for that. It really is very effective. Brilliant. And I feel like at this point in the conversation, people are listening, thinking, okay, so what is it? What do I have to do? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, can you talk us through what that might look like? Um, perhaps yes. how one would be initially diagnosed as being a great candidate for it? Yep. And then yep. what the, is it the same process for everybody or does it get tailored? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the, the program that we offer is, is different to the traditional clinical tomatoes program. Mm -hmm. So with us, it's totally a self-help program. And my mother was brilliant because she took what was simple about the program and made that available. And the complexity is there, but it doesn't have to be complicated to use. There's a lot of mm. complexity behind it. And we provide great education so that people understand the program. There's a book, which my mother wrote and, and I, 10 years later wrote the second half it's called sound therapy music to recharge your brain and that tells you all about the program and we have another book for parents of children called why aren't i learning so those those books are available um and so if people go to our website there's actually an assessment they can do where they can self-assess and they'll get oh, a sent to them well we'll, um, we'll add all of that to the show notes so that people can look that up yeah, fantastic. They'll find mm. that on the website. And then we do a free telephone consultation if they'd like to. If they have further questions and want a more detailed interpretation, we recommend that. So it's all by phone. We we send our programs all over the world. You don't have to, you don't have to go anywhere or see anyone. It's really Brilliant. simple. Home-based self-help. So um, once they've decided, yes, okay, I want to give this a go, then they simply um, choose a program with the help of the consultant or just on the website and, and we send it out to them. And it's uh, what they get is a book, which I mentioned, a workbook and a little digital player, which is not much bigger than a matchbox mm -hmm. and good quality headphones. And it's so simple. You just put the headphones on and press play. It's as easy as wearing your glasses. Wow. And, and you so mentioned your mother did this for three hours a day and had to drive somewhere. And part of what um, her mission then became was to make this much more accessible has the time been cut from three hours a day or is that what people are looking at yes and no mm -hmm. it actually doesn't take any time out of your day at all to do sound therapy just the way it doesn't take any time out of your day to wear your glasses got it so because it's a you passive have it on therapy. while you're doing other things it's passive listening mm -hmm. and you keep the volume low so you can hear what's going on around you perfectly well the heads and the headphones we sell, most of them are open, meaning you can hear through them. Mm -hmm. So you can have a conversation with it on. You can talk on the phone. You can watch TV. You can do your work. You can exercise. You can work on the farm or around the house. So it's so easy. And it's just pleasant classical music playing in the back of your mind. You don't have to pay attention to it, but you can if you want to. So it really is one of the easiest therapies to do. There is a listening routine to follow, which people have to work out from the workbooks. Pretty, pretty simple to work it out, just to gradually introduce the program to their ears and their brain. But it's all it's all provided. So, you know, it's 
it's accessible and easy for people. That is our mission. It's just mm. making this therapy accessible to everyone. That was what my mother really wanted because she benefited so much. She had this drive of, I want everyone to have this. And so yeah. that's what we've been trying to provide. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just thinking about my own family and then thinking about people in the low-tox community space, you know, with mm. kids who just feel overwhelmed by all the noise and um, need to literally scream to shut out the rest of the noise. I mean, you just, you hear so many stories where this now starts to sound like something that can be brought in the mix to really help yes. people. Yeah. It is so important for children, Alex, and that is the area where Dr. Tomatis focused the most with his work. And it's where most of the research has been done on sound therapy too, because sound therapy helps to fix auditory processing problems. Mm. Now, auditory processing is a fundamental issue, which is core to all of the developmental difficulties, whether it be autism, ADD, dyslexia, stuttering, sensory integration disorder, all of these challenges that in today's toxic environment are affecting so many families. Mm. They all have an element of auditory processing as a core, a core aspect of those problems. Sound therapy fixes the auditory processing. So what that means is that the world starts to make sense to the child. Instead of getting all this jumbled information, they get information that they can understand the way, you know, a person with normal processing can and so it's not so hard. And so learning becomes possible instead of impossible. And speech becomes easier and they don't get so frustrated. And, and they're calmer and their moods are calmer. And we see remarkable transformations with children who have learning and developmental difficulties that suddenly they can start to function. It gives They can start from base one instead of sub base one and then they can start to learn and you can start to build on that so mm. it's really really important as an early intervention for children but it can be a later intervention too it doesn't matter when you do it the sooner the better but yeah. later still works even for adults who have some of these developmental issues you know and, and who still and have never got caught or yeah autism yeah. or i mean these things can't be fixed 100 percent, but they can be helped so much and they will help it will help adults with those conditions as well. Mm. And, um, and it's it's nice to hear the language talk about not having to fix people that are broken rather than mm. help people live their best lives, which I think is such an important reframe in, That's right. in, in mental health and, um, and neurodivergence in general. Yes, because yeah. every ear and brain is different and the more we can integrate and <clears throat> enhance our capacity to process information, the better that can work for the person. Um, I, I got a really clear insight into this once when I, I, um, I read the writing of a girl who had autism and she was highly intelligent but nonverbal. She'd gone through university, she'd done a degree, she was able to write but she couldn't look you in the eye when you met her. And she described her experience of sound therapy when she had a clinic program of sound therapy. And she said that it changed her processing, her sensory processing. So she then understood what other people were experiencing in the world. And she hadn't been because there'd been this, this distortion, this interference with her mm. sensory processing. It changed that. And that's working at a really fundamental level because we're working with the brainstem as well. You yeah, know, we're working yeah. with fundamental body processes. So there are three main levels to the brain. The brainstem, which deals with that automatic, autonomic functions. The midbrain, which is the mammalian, the animal brain, which has our instinctual reactions and emotions, the limbic system. And then the cortex, which is the human. Humans have much more cortex than other animals and, and that capacity for intellectual thought. So those are the three brain levels. And sound, hearing, is the only primary sense that operates at all three of those levels. Wow, yeah. So we are working with very fundamental body processes, just our capacity to interpret the world, and we're working with emotional reactions, and this is where it goes back to that life in the womb and, 
and um, just, you know, how we are triggered by sounds. And then we're working with brain function and language capacity. So it's working with all of that. It's so profound. Mm. I just keep thinking of all these examples. Oh, my gosh, but what about babies who would nap through living next to a construction site or, you know, all those sorts of things where... You wouldn't have then been thinking of your child with learning difficulties in early high school and going, oh, remember the construction site? That yeah. must, you know, no one's making that connection. Yeah, and yet, well, as I hear you speak, it really does sound like, pardon the pun, um, we, can, we can really start to play detective uh, back to some of these key exposures, um, moments in our lives where right. perhaps well, things the thing went is, south. Alex- we are all exposed to negative detrimental sound our entire mm. lives. It's machines. Think about it. We can all hear a machine 90, 95% of our lives, unless you live in the wilderness, but even then there's a plane that flies over, you know, there's, yeah. there's a traffic yeah, yeah. road. There's, there's the computer, the fridge, noise all the time. When is there ever silence or when is there ever pure nature sound with no machine? It's hard to find that even in Australia, mm. probably in the outback, but yeah, or the wilderness. But um, that noise is detrimental to the nervous system and it's cumulative. So it's not just loud, loud noise damages the ear. We all know that that's the worst, but that low droning, low frequency sound tires the nervous system and drains our capacity and doesn't do us any good. And it's particularly true with children. I mean, I I do get concerned when I see people taking their babies to loud events and rock concerts and taking them on airplanes. And, you know, the baby is so sensitive. The younger we are, the more sensitive we are. And the ear is such an incredibly sensitive mechanism, which once it's damaged, it's very hard to repair. Now, audiologists and and doctors will generally say you can't repair it. They say the little cilia, the little hair cells in the ear, they get damaged. They they tell people that they've been destroyed. And sometimes they have, but sometimes they've just been damaged and can be repaired. So some repair is possible to every ear, even with profound or severe hearing loss. but, you know, only a 10 or 20 or maybe 30% depends on the degree of damage. We really have to look after our ears. And I'm continually admonishing people to be aware of this and always put your earmuffs on if you're using a hammer drill or a lawnmower or, or something loud because we only get two ears mm. and they are so precious. They are our link to other people. They are our communication. And and one of the good things about sound therapy is I find once we give people a solution, we say, well, you can improve your ears, then they get more committed to protecting them. Mm. Whereas if they think there's no, I don't know why, there seems to be a a psychological sort of cultural idea that, oh, our ears are dispensable, I'll just go to a rock concert. And, you know, it it shocks me when young people say, oh, my ears ring ring for two or three days after the concert, but then it stops. And they think that's okay. Not okay. I was just thinking about that too. I'm like, how many times have I been to a concert and then been sitting on the couch afterwards at home where it's all quiet with my ears ringing and just Mm. thinking, oh gosh, when's that going to stop? But then not giving it a second thought. And so what's happening there? How much damage is happening? Should we be wearing earplugs if we want to go to a rock concert? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You should never, ever be exposed to sound that makes your ears ring. Mm -hmm. Once someone burst a balloon in my ear and it rang for 30 seconds, I was horrified (laughs) because I know how delicate my ears are. Well, Well, seriously, Alex, I have, you know, everyone, thousands of people who have chronic untreatable ear problems have rung me up and talked to me so Mm. I've been exposed to all of it there was one woman who had her head near her printer at work and it made a loud sound and then she had permanent tinnitus wow there are you know we've had numerous people who've gone to one concert and then they have permanent tinnitus or, or or it can be triggered by a virus or an accident or other things so the fact that it went away a few times doesn't mean it's always going to go away because you see when people get to 60 70 80 then the cumulative effects come out and that's when they ring us. They've had tinnitus for five years, 10 years, 20 years, sometimes 60 years. And it's awful that people live with that. And I really don't want it to happen to them in the first place. We can we can try to help and our program often helps, but we can't always help everyone. And you know, you've got to look after your ears. They're just, they're very delicate. Mm. 
So, um, so well, we're getting that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that if ever there's an loud outside, I immediately have my hands over my ears and I get myself out of that. Oh, smoke alarms. I hate smoke alarms. I know they save lives, oh. but they have to be so loud. That's interesting. We lived in a building once where we had a horrible smoke alarm. It was just so loud and painful and it traumatised my son. He really mm. has not liked alarms ever since. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it just makes you think. Gosh, it is a layering effect, isn't it? And you mm. have to, yep, you have to recognize that and then yep. work on it. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, looking around the modern world, do you believe that everyone needs this sound therapy? I guess you would. Well, actually, I do because you see, Alex. Although we're talking about damage and mm. all of these bad things that can happen to your ears. It's not just about damage. It's about the ear. It's about the incredible, miraculous uh, organ, the ear, mm. which I've learned so much about. And I just I just love the ear. I'm in awe of the yeah. ear and the way that we hear sound. And it's not just, I mean, the ear isn't just for hearing. And Dr. Tomatis taught us this. The ear is for recharging the brain with high-frequency energy, which it does oh, through wow. sound. Okay. So when we do sound therapy, it doesn't just fix ear problems. It actually gives us energy and it enhances mental function. It enhances focus and creativity. We've had people who've said, I've been able to take up my musical instrument again since doing sound therapy. I've been able to join the choir again. I've been able to, to write a novel, conceive a plot, you know, help with all of these different creative processes as well. And it helps coordination because we have about seven or eight senses, more than five. You know, we also have the vestibular sense and interoception sets of the organs and proprioception, the joint receptors. So there's multiple senses that the body is taking in all the time and the brain is having to process and integrate so we make sense of the world. Now, having a finely tuned auditory sense helps us to integrate all of the other senses. This happens in the cerebellum, which is like the male sorting centre of the brain near the brainstem. So because of that, sound therapy also helps coordination. People have told me it improved my golf swing. I now play better tennis. My wife can now drive the car without clashing the gears. And, and if children have difficulties with coordination, it helps them. There was one little girl who had, oh, so sad, degenerative disintegration disorder. And she was getting oh, yeah, worse, probably tough. toxic causation or virus, who knows. But anyway, sound therapy helped her judgment. So she'd walk along the hall and her parents told me she used to take a step that was a whole, she'd step up a whole foot to try and step over this tiny little ridge. Uh, she couldn't yeah. judge that it was a tiny little ridge. And mm. after sound therapy, her judgment came back and she could step over it normally. Wow. So, well, when you think about what happens to the ear and how sometimes when there are dysfunctions, blockages, challenges, uh, you can get dizzy. Uh, of course, we can yes. think therefore about core and balance and all of those things playing into that it makes perfect well, sense. Dizziness is or balance is a sense of the ear. There are two mm. sections to the ear, the hearing section and the balance section. Mm. So <clears throat> the spiral-shaped Cochlea is the hearing section, is in the inner ear. There are also three semicircular canals which make up the vestibular sense. And there are three canals because we live in a three-dimensional world. And so that detects direction of the head in any of those three directions. You can, you can nod your head yes, you can shake your head no, or you can tilt your head to the side like a bird. And that shows the three direct three-dimensional movements of the head. And so those three semicircular canals detect those. And if there's some fault with the ear, there are numerous different types of dizziness balance disorders related to the ear, then we might feel as though we're spinning in space or we just feel wobbly on our feet or balance disorders. They're really serious problem. They can mm. you know, cause older people to fall um, and limit their capacity to live independently. And sound therapy is very, very effective in helping most balance disorders as well because it is wow. working on the ear and the muscles in the ear contribute both to our hearing better and a better balance. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I absolutely believe that all of us can benefit from sound therapy. And I'm testament to that. I didn't have any of these problems we're talking about, Yeah. Um, but I've been using sound therapy for 30 years 
and I wouldn't want to be without it. I sleep with it every night and I often use it in my office during the day to help me focus and work and I would never fly without taking it with me because it helps to reduce the impact of that droning noise of the airplane and it also helps with jet lag. It helps to adjust at the other end Mm -hmm. and it helps you to sleep on the flight if you want to sleep. So fantastic benefits for travel. But, yeah, I say anyone who has ears can benefit from sound therapy. Mm. And you've mentioned it's classical music. Mm. Uh, Is it any particular type? Does it go through different uh, levels and different types of instrumentation to to work in different ways? I'm curious. Well, you see, it's not just the music. It's what we've done to the music. Got it. Because I was just thinking, Um, can't can't we just pop on some Mozart and get get our therapy (laughs) No, it's not the same thing. We use classical music as the bass. Uh And there's a reason for that, which I'll tell you in a moment. Um, But it's the filtering process. And this is what Dr. Tomatis invented, the ENT who developed sound therapy, invented the filtering process to make music into sound therapy. So he created a device called the electronic ear, which is a very specific filtering um, device that uses particular algorithms or patterns to change the music. And so what we do is we augment certain frequencies, the high mm-hmm. frequencies, progressively, gradually through the series of program, and we increase the difference between the emphasis on the high and the emphasis on the low. And what this does is it creates an exercise program for the middle ear muscles. So wow. most people don't even know that there are muscles in the ear. Now, the middle ear is um, kind of the outer, well, the outer part of the ear is the the canal where you shouldn't put in a cotton bud because you don't want to puncture your eardrum, but that's the the first inch or so is just the outer part of the ear. You can tell my age because I'm talking in inches, not centimetres. And then, then there's the eardrum, which is a membrane, a flexible membrane, which vibrates with incoming sound, just like the surface of a drum. It's just like the skin on a drum. You don't want to puncture that. So don't poke anything in your ear, please. Mm -hmm. Behind that eardrum is the middle ear, which is an air-filled chamber. And you can feel, you can get a sense of that. If you do this with me, all all the listeners, hold your nose and and blow. Try to blow through your nose with it blocked. And you should feel your ears pop. If you don't, it means your ears are a little bit blocked for some reason. Mm. Most people will feel their ears pop when they do that. And what you've done to cause that is you've actually blown some air through the eustachian tube from the back of the throat into the middle ear. Mm -hmm. So that's an open passage that goes from the throat into the ear and and it's pushed outwards on the eardrum. And as that air goes into the middle ear, you feel that that pop or that equalisation. You feel that when you go up in a plane or up in a lift or a mountain, that kind of thing. So the middle ear is filled with air and it has three little bones in it, hammer, anvil and stirrup. But what most people don't know is there's also two muscles in the middle ear. We don't hear much about them. I can confidently say I have never done an ear workout. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I've yep, never yep. heard of ear muscles. It's, yep. I mean, well, and I have interviewed a ton of people and we've never yep. talked about ear muscles. Nope. So no, there you nobody go. else has come up with this except Dr. Tomatis mm-hmm. and programs based on his work. So when you do sound therapy, you are doing an ear workout. We say it's like taking your ears to the gym because it is exercising those little muscles. And that has to be done gently. They're delicate, the hammer muscle and the stirrup muscle. Mm-hmm. They're very delicate. They're very important to our functioning and our well-being. And when they're not working properly, you can get a feeling of chronic blocked ear, which is very annoying. You can get dizziness. You can get hearing problems, cocktail party syndrome. They're part of the whole tinnitus pattern and, and learning difficulties, auditory processing, all of that. It all depends first and foremost, on having those ear muscles work well so that the middle ear adjusts correctly to let the right sort of sounds into the inner ear, mm. where they're then converted to an electrochemical impulse and transmitted to the brain. Mm-hmm. So there's many different parts of the ear. I mean, the inner ear is even more complicated, and that's where we have the organ of corti, the actual hearing organ with the tiny little sensory cells called cilia, over 30,000 of them in each ear. Wow. And and that certainly can be damaged by too much noise. But by first repairing the muscles and opening the ear to be receptive to sound, then we can start bombarding it with these gentle high frequencies in sound therapy to stimulate and reactivate the whole auditory pathway and many different parts of the brain. 
and and start to bring about this repair. But yes, we use classical music and we put it through a filter so that it creates that exercise and that stimulation. And is and, that unique to each person once they go through um, their questionnaire or have a chat with uh, you? How much does it vary from person to person depending on the challenges they're experiencing? The variation comes in the way they use the program. Got it. So we have the same program for the basic level, the um, basic essentials program. It's got four albums, each of them 90 minutes long. So that's six hours of music progressively and gradually filtered. Mm -hmm. But when people get the workbook, they fill in a questionnaire and it will guide them to a listening routine. So they may be on the sensitive routine or the moderate routine or the fully fit routine. Mm -hmm. This is for adults. For children, we have different programs. If you get a result of sensitive on your questionnaire, then you can't just listen to the whole program all at once. You have to build it up gradually, and that's very important. But all the mm -hmm. instructions are provided. And so, yes, it is tailored to individual listeners. Now, for children, we have different programs. We actually use stories. And our program is unique in this way. There are other tomatoes-based programs, but they haven't integrated the stories, although Dr. Tomatis himself very much recommended having the mother read stories to the child. And he would have the mother come into the clinic and, and read stories and put the voice through the electronic ear and the child would listen. But with our programs, my mother read the stories and I read some of the stories and we had some wonderful African women read some of the stories and a wonderful Aboriginal woman as well. So we have a range of different voices reading the stories and those voices are put through the electronic ear so they are filtered so you get over and over again so they can do that with sound therapy and and they really love it amazing and and, and so when you say children up until what age would you say like could a 12 and above do the adult program yes the 12 and above could do the and and younger children could do the adult program too there's nothing no problem with that the all mm -hmm. music program so we actually have a family package where you get a younger children's program an older children's program and the adult program and the children can use all of them uh, you know the age appropriate stories but they can definitely use the music as well that's that's really great but stories do help with that linguistic development and mm. the children enjoy them so that's a good aspect as well to the program how wonderful and when you say sensitive can you unpack some of the conditions that sensitive would cover or is it more just about where that individual is at with whatever's yeah, no, going on for them? It's very specific to the ear. Mm. So in the personal listening routine assessment, which they fill in the workbook, we ask questions about tinnitus, dizziness, sensitivity to sound, chronic blocked ear, um, stressful reactions to sound. So it's all about that. It's about the ear being oversensitive. Mm -hmm. So if you've been exposed to a lot of noise, trauma, or the ear has become sensitive for other reasons, then you need to go very gently with the program. Wow. Um, I'm going to share a personal story here. I'd love your take on it. Okay. I cannot work with other people around. Right. Can't. Um, yep. when, I had, when I was in corporate, as soon as I was office bound and I wasn't on the move doing things in a very active, practical uh, style of working. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can teach, train, motivate, speak in front of hundreds of people, chat to a hundred people in that situation because I'm moving and, and it just sort of makes sense. But as soon as you sit me down at a computer with other people around, mm -hmm. no can work. Right. And I remember when uh in, in my last corporate context of work in 2007, uh, I negotiated with my boss to do two days from home just so that I could think properly mm -hmm. and, and work and I would get great work done. Does mm. that mean there's something up with my ear? Have I got cocktail party syndrome? Possibly. Mm. Um, it could be your your ear or your ear brain connection or just your your orientation to sound so I think possibly, Alex, if you did sound therapy, it would help you with that. That's fascinating. And I'd like to tell you a couple of stories which kind of relate to it, not directly, but they're very interesting. So my mother, when she had the cocktail party syndrome, of course, she couldn't tolerate someone talking when there was sound playing. 
And when she was going into the clinic, she'd be there every day with the headphones on and doing her writing or whatever. And, and then one day the sound therapist came in and started talking to her. And she said, don't talk to me. I've got my headphones on. I can't hear you. And he said, you can now. It's okay. You know, this problem has been has been fixed. And, and she listened to him and it was incredible. She wow. could hear him in spite of the music being on. She could she could divide her attention, her hearing that way, and it no longer sent her into this turmoil. Huh. So that's how she experienced that reparation of the cocktail party syndrome. Now, there's another woman I spoke to some years ago who, this is a bit different, but it just came into my mind, so I'll share it. She said when she started using sound therapy, well, no, she, before she started using sound therapy, the reason she wanted to do it was she'd reached a point in her life in her 40s where she couldn't tolerate stress very well. She couldn't multitask. She'd get in a tears. She'd get wound up. And she used to be able to multitask really well and handle stress and everything. But then she developed this kind of agitation where she couldn't, couldn't deal with it. So she started using sound therapy and the condition got worse and she got quite stressed and agitated and anxious and, and she you know, didn't like it. But she said if she hadn't read the book, she would have stopped using it. This is why people must read the book to understand the, the process and the changes. So because she'd read it, she thought this is probably going to help. So she persisted and kept listening and the condition resolved. And what also resolved was her difficulty with multitasking and this, this new anxiety she developed later in life. She went back to the way she used to be when she was younger, mm. where she could handle everything coming at her at once and stay wow. calm. Wow. And that's probably nervous system repair as well happening. Yes, in there. exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. Wow. Yes. So, you know, just drawing on those two stories and other experiences, I think probably you mm. would you know, you may well develop a greater capacity to just focus and work with disturbance around you if you did the program because it was just tune up that capacity to really focus your attention and, mm. and your nervous system. I mean, being able to focus the attention is being able to make choices and inhibition in, in our nervous system. And when yeah. children have ADD, attention deficit disorder, they can't focus their attention. They're easily distractible sound therapy does does um fix that problem and there's been some research on it on exactly what's going on in the brain to enable different parts of the brain to work together properly and to enable inhibition inhibition is such an important process in the brain because we have we are bombarded by billions and billions of stimuli every second mm. from all of our senses and we have to tune out most of those and decide which ones to pay attention to and when children can't do that, they have things that we call sensory processing disorder, sensory integration disorder, or attention deficit disorder. Mm. And sound therapy does help to reorganize the brain. And, you know, classical music is such an amazing, beautiful example our culture has produced of organized patterns. Yes. When you listen to it, you start to learn the patterns, the patterns in the melody, in the harmonies and in the rhythm. And I said I'd come back and say why we use classical music. So the reason we use that type of music is it has the most complex combination of melody, harmony and rhythm of any other music. It sure All does. three of those spectrums, mm. complexity. And that's good for the brain. That's helping the brain to organise itself, to work better. And so that's why that type of music is the most suitable for the sound therapy process. How brilliant. And I wanted to ask you about another subset of people um, as we age. You know, we're told, do your crosswords, get the Sudoku habit happening, uh, make sure you stay active. And, of course, these are all really wonderful um, lifestyle and health interventions. Um but if we think about brain plasticity, um, it, it almost now, having spoken to you about this for coming on an hour, it feels like, you know, do your auditory exercises as well, you know, do your sound therapy. Absolutely. It's so much easier. I mean, you know, people love doing their crosswords, but but when we are continually admonished, well, you have to do a crossword every day and learn a, learn a language, play a musical instrument, you know, it's, it's a lot of effort and mm. great for the people who want to do that. 
But an easier way to get some of those similar results is definitely listening to the sound therapy. It does it for you. Mm. And let's face it, a lot of people are, are lazy. And it does it in a different way, obviously, to all of those proactive activities. I'm not saying don't do them, mm. um, but sound therapy will help all of those to go better as well because it's been used successfully by musicians. It's helped them enormously with their performance. It's been used a great deal in language learning, foreign language learning. That's another whole area of application. Mm-hmm. And um, word retrieval, memory um and auditory processing all of that all of those skills you need for crosswords of course it's enormously helpful well you so, certainly yes. got my attention with improved tennis earlier because that's my, <laughs> okay. my big passion so oh, great yeah. Yeah. yeah right fantastic yeah yeah <laughs> oh, i love it oh my goodness i think this is just such an exciting discovery uh, it's not often i come across a therapy that um, I've really never seen before or someone in our massive community now hasn't um, told me about and said, you've got to get this person on. You just, <laughs> you just appeared and I'm so glad you did, Raphael, because this is, this is a brilliant uh, therapy. I'm so grateful to you and your mum for having um, championed this. I, I'm sure uh, it's not easy to certainly in the... Um, in the academic field to table a new idea for a therapy. Mm-hmm. And I guess in, in finishing our conversation, I'd love to hear a little bit about the, um, the way that you've managed to muscle in on, <laughs> on a very uh, traditional old school and limited in terms of the options um, we give people, like, you know, you think ADHD m- medicine, you think uh, auditory issues, hearing aids like you know we haven't had many alternatives in the last 10 years of course that's changing but it's wonderful to hear about sound therapy have you found it difficult to convince colleagues that this is important or was it on Dr Tomatis's work probably perhaps a little bit easier to engage well, Alex, we tend to work around the edges mm. and I like that that's a permaculture principle. Yeah, nice. Because it's a very fertile place to work. And there's Dr. Tomatis has a significant following around the world. Anyone who Googles his work will find there's clinics everywhere and studies and, and lots of development from his original discoveries. And there are certain groups, um, kinesiologists, um, occupational therapists, uh, people specialising in really wanting to help children with developmental difficulties, some of them, and um, integrative natural therapists of all kinds, and sometimes psychologists and, you know, occasionally audiologists and, and certain doctors get passionate about it and take it up. Mm. But they're the ones who are looking for different solutions, not the ones who are just saying, oh, I'll only follow what the mainstream says, which unfortunately is still the majority of people. But I think more of the patients or the clients are the ones coming to us because they're saying, well, we didn't get an answer. The biggest one is my doctor told me nothing could be done for tinnitus. (laughs) Yeah. And millions of people are told that every day, unfortunately, And because their doctor has told them that, some of them won't believe that our program will help, but it does, and they find out if they try it. So often it is just direct to the public, the people who need it, and it's through those more curious, open-minded, inquisitive practitioners who are looking for different solutions. So we just keep working there, and that field is expanding. And so, I mean fascinating with brain plasticity you know I saw Dr Norman Deutsch speak a few years ago and he said that it took 20 years to convince the scientific community that brain plasticity actually exists yeah exactly now we haven't totally convinced yet that you can exercise and improve the function of the muscles in your middle ear Mm. but we'll get there and (laughs) you seem determined to do that totally well I'll just keep saying it yeah nice (laughs) And you mentioned you take it everywhere with you now. So do you feel that sound therapy then becomes, uh, once you've actually used it to uh, support you in any challenges that you came to it for, it then has a preventative aspect as well to help us be in the modern world without adding to those layers of, of auditory trauma, if you like? 
It does because it's helping us to keep our neural systems alive. Mm. And when we're surrounded by deadening sound, you know, if you have to have a fan, an air conditioner, something running in your room, if you put your sound therapy on, it will more than counteract the effect of that low hum because mm. it enlivens the brain and the brain will look for what's alive and what's stimulating. Mm-hmm. So, so how does that work for people who need those white noises to sleep? Um. I would suggest they try sound therapy instead Mm. because white noise is not beneficial for the brain. It's Mm -hmm. dulling. And, you know, some people might need to wean themselves off it and use both for a while, but they're not building better brain patterns with white noise. With sound therapy, you are. And we haven't even talked about sleep. Sleep is one of the best applications of sound therapy. The main reason I use it is for sleep. The main reason I also use it for concentration and energy and and travel, but I use it every night for sleep. It's fantastic. So you sleep with headphones in? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We even have a special sleep band headphone, which is available as one of our options. But I use little earbuds. They're fine. Mm. Little flat. We sell ones that are fairly flat, but and and external ones too. We've got a range that are quite comfortable for sleep. Um, and I don't have to have it to sleep, but I sure go off to sleep quickly with it. And I sleep more deeply and I only need seven hours of sleep instead of eight when I use sound therapy. And most people tell us the same things. And wow. chronic insomniacs have found it has completely cured them. My mother was one. Decades of insomnia. She used sound therapy. She was sleeping like a baby within weeks. Wow. And I guess if you think about cocktail party syndrome and all the sounds being so important, like every sound could then set you off and, and make you uh, in a vigilance, put you in a vigilant state, which is not the state you need to be in for sleep. That's Yes, that's right. Mm. And not just sounds, but busy mind. Mm. Sound therapy helps to calm the busy mind because it gives you something interesting. The music is interesting and complex, but it doesn't keep you awake and worry you the way your thoughts do. Mm-hmm. So it gives the brain something else to kind of latch onto, and that's why it helps people so much who have that busy mind. It's wow. more interested in counting sheep and more effective. So many possibilities. Uh, I have to share with you the little mental picture that just popped into my mind. You know, after Christmas and they're the big sales and the news will invariably show the doors closed but someone getting ready to open the doors and huge crowds behind the yes. doors and then the doors yes. open and everyone like spills in to get yes. their things i feel like that's what we're doing with sound therapy after today's <laughs> conversation okay everyone's welcome <laughs> this was not a sponsored show no show is sponsored no one pays me to be on there but i genuinely believe that this is uh, something that could just help so many people and uh, there would be a lot of people that are curious once they've heard you speak today. So I want to thank you for your time and your work. Uh, Um, I will be one of those women beating down the door and heading straight to the (laughs) shoe section for my (laughs) sound therapy. Um, Yeah, brilliant, really wonderful. We've got all the details in the show notes today, guys. Lotoxlife.com forward slash podcast. You click on today's show and you can connect with books, sound therapy, uh, assessment online, all the things um, so that you can explore this for yourself with your family. And I want to thank you, Alex, for the great work you're doing, the amazing community you're building. I just love it. It's really beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at Life or one word, or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life uh, and, of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a Lotox Life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Lotox Club for just $49 Australian per year which is about 29.30 US, about 27 euro and about 25 pounds, you get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.